Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Brenda Golden. It is a hot summer day here in Oklahoma, July 17, 2016, and I hope everyone's having a wonderful summer. I have been away for a couple of years, and for those of you who didn't know, I was co-hosting a show with Sarah Adams Cornell on Success Native Style, the radio station that was started by Magic Ravenhawk, and I was so appreciative of the opportunity to give indigenous issues from a women's point of view. I um, recently we decided to not do the show anymore, and I thought, well, I'll just try Redtown Radio again. We had a good run before from 2008 until 2014, so I hope that each of you will enjoy the topics and maybe call in and have comments. I'm going to set up a mailbox at Gmail for Redtown Radio so that if anyone has comments after the show, you can email me at redtownradio at gmail.com. And with that, I'd like to go ahead and start talking about what's been going on here in the world and in the United States for the last, oh, month or week or so. You know, the big thing that is going on right now is the, are the elections. Um, I ran for the House of Representatives and unfortunately did not get in the general election. But I wanted to touch a little bit on how important it is for us to take part in the election process. You know, I was talking to a, a, a gentleman friend. He graduated from law school with me. He's Native American. And he asked me if I had won. He thought I was running in the tribal elections. And I said, no, I was running in the state elections. He said, oh, I don't, I don't vote in the colonizers' elections. And I thought, well, you know, uh, I told him that just is really not acceptable because we have to live in this world. You know, we, it's not a matter of us being colonized. It's a matter of reality, being that we have to live in this state and the laws that affect everyone else affect us. And the lawmakers at the state capitol are the ones that that make the laws for every person in Oklahoma. And, you know, after I explained that to him, he, he's kind of like, well, yeah, I, I see that point of view. And so I'd like to encourage all of you to, you know, think about how we can galvanize our Native people. Uh, I know it's even really hard because, you know, we had just um, a little under – 2,000 people vote here in this District 16. Uh, it was more like 2,200. There were 33,000 registered Democrats here in this district, and 2,200 of them voted. That is not even 15% of the people who were eligible to vote. You know, there are places in the world where women cannot even vote, uh, people can't vote, they're under a military regime where they don't have the right to vote, and it's really a precious thing that we can have a say in our government. And if you don't think that one vote matters, a person that I know named Meredith Kelly, who was running here in Oklahoma, lost by 29 votes. 29 votes would have made the difference in her being in the general election in November and not. So if you don't think that even one vote matters, um, those every single vote goes into into the final decision. 
Um, so I encourage us to get involved in Rock the Native Vote or, you know, trying to give people a ride to the polls because decolonization in itself just means that we're freeing our minds, we're freeing the chains of colonization that brought their formal religion to our people. They brought their form of education to our people. They wanted us to think like them from Europe. And that meant religion, farming, and, you know, thinking about the greed, the use of the land. Our Native people always had a community spirit. We shared things. We thought about our future. We thought about our future generations. We took care of each other. We took care of our elders. When it came time to, you know, uh, 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 not even punish someone, but someone that did uh, a wrong in the communal sense, the community got together and did something about it. I mean, they made the decision, not a group of judges. And so I think decolonization in itself means that we need to get back to our indigenous roots of thinking about the community, not taking part in the formal religion that has all these wars going on all over the world. You know, we have a sport form of spirituality and we have our traditions that had ruled for thousands of years before the so-called discovery took place. And so decolonization doesn't mean that you quit participating in the government or participating in the environment it just means that we free our mind and go back to thinking like a true indigenous person that we were meant to be. Along those same lines, you know, right now there's a big, big election coming up for the for the uh, Democrats and the Republicans to have a, well, I say election, but uh, conventions, Democratic and Republican conventions for uh, nominating uh, a presidential candidate. And for the Republicans, that would be, of course, Donald Trump. And for the Democrats, it probably will be Hillary Clinton. Now, I truly, honestly hope that even if Donald Trump is given the nomination, that the people here in the United States would have the good sense to not vote in a racist, bigoted, loudmouthed, millionaire that was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and he doesn't know the first thing about the common people. Um, he's, he cheated on his wife. He's been married several times. Um, he's declared bankruptcy I don't know how many times trying to be a successful businessman but who does who, who, who's successful if they've been bankrupt seven times, uh, if not more? Um, you know, he claims that's just a way of doing business but uh, you know, that doesn't mean that it's successful. And he, he talks down to women. He has no clue about what Native American people are. There's no clue about how immigration works when he talks about having uh, people kicked out of the country or a, a wall built in to separate Mexicans from coming into the United States. I mean, the man is clueless. And I just truly hope that people will, again, get to the polls and make the decision to, to keep this pitted racist out of the presidential office. I heard uh, one of my friends say that um, a Native man told him 
Well, I hope Trump does get elected because that would just take this country's already going to hell in a handbasket, and that would just hasten the process and it'd just get it over with faster. And he thought that was funny. I'm sorry, folks. I don't think the destruction of our country is funny. I don't think that Donald Trump getting elected is comical in any sense of the word. It's scary. It is downright scary to think that he could possibly be the president. He would want to strip tribes of sovereignty, do away with all the programs for Indians because he thinks that they're special treatment. Um, you know, it, it is not funny that country explodes. We, as Native American people, uh, already live in bad conditions. Just think how much worse it would be for us. You know, we've lived through a lot. They've tried to kill us off for hundreds of years. Um, you know, we, we at one point there, there was estimates of 60 million Native Americans, indigenous people, whatever you want to call us, and now there's less than 500,000 in the United States left. You know, we're blessed to still be here. They tried their hardest. They, I mean, the colonizers, the people who were um, invading this land and trying to make it their own, tried to wipe us out because we were in the way of their, of their progress. And uh, I don't think that, I don't think that if, if he's going to um, uphold any of the treaties, he in, <clears throat> in fact, he has no, no clue about what the treaties are. I don't think that he would be a good president for Native people. Now, you know, Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, I do not know what her plans are. She's even, I know she's tried to meet with some tribes, but, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders was the more, uh, the one that was more uh, progressive towards listening to his Native American advisor, which was Tara, who's a phenomenal young lady who was on uh, Women Warrior Talk uh, a few months ago. And um, if, if Bernie Sanders were to get the nomination, he has promised to keep indigenous people's rights upheld and the programs going that Barack Obama started. But I don't think that, that Donald Trump is good for any person in this country except the rich and those who want to be richer. And if you believe that he is going to do any good for this country, then I surely hope that you will find uh, something else to convince you be between now and November. And I think that Oklahomans and Native Americans here in Oklahoma and elsewhere, if we can get together as a voting block and we could make a difference, because, yes, every vote does matter. So we have to get together and, and vote together and get our people to the polls. You know, as I said, even in tribal, uh, even in tribal elections, it's hard to get everybody to go vote. Uh, we had the same problem here in the Creek Nation. They had about 1,800 people vote out of about 20,000 that were eligible. Um, people say that it doesn't matter, uh, that their vote won't make any matter, won't make any difference. But you know what? It does. And it will, because when you vote someone into office, they are accountable to you, and you have the right to call your representative, your senator, and believe me, that if they get 50 phone calls or 50 emails from their constituents, they pay attention. 
if they think that they might have a chance of being voted out of office in the future because they don't listen to their constituents, they will do what they need to do to stay in office. And that's why it's important for us to vote. Okay, well, I'll get off that soapbox for, for now. We've got about 17 minutes left in the show and talk to talk to another issue that's going on that, that's big in the news lately, and that would be the police shootings, uh, of the, the police shooting civilians and police getting shot. You know, we as Native Americans and people of color are shot at and killed by police a lot more than any other group. The uh, Mojave's good blanket cause, uh, we had gone and spoke at the governor's office and uh, about three years ago in 2012 to attempt to get some type of commission or if you want to call it a board to review these police killings and and take it out of the hands of the local district attorney. What happens is is that there is institutionalized racism. And by that I mean, you know, police and others in education and other institutions of higher learning and schools and colleges and uh, government, they're already suspicious of people of color. For some reason, you know, they have it in their minds that people of color, black, brown, and Asians are up to no good that we're sneaky, that we're all doing drugs, that Indians are all drunks, and, you know, on down the line. It's just ingrained in their psyche. Sometimes it's not even that way on purpose. It's the environment that they grew up in, the community that they grew up in. We all know there are racist communities all across this United States. Right here in Oklahoma, there are KKK, uh, you know, people all over the place. Uh, this was one of the strongholds of the KKK uh, back for some time. And so we know there are racist people. The fact is that we get pulled over by police more often, those people of color, for some call it profiling for some other reason. You know, they want to search your car. They want to get out. They want to, I mean, it happens all the time. And the fact is, that the police will pull out their gun and shoot a brown or black person in the blink of an eye when if it were a non-native or a non-African American person, they would take the time to talk to them and try to talk them down. I saw a very disturbing video of a Native American woman who was pregnant that was shot by police because she was holding a knife. Oh, shocker. They're 10 feet away and she's got a knife threatening to kill herself so they shot and killed her. You know, how how much sense does that make? If that were anybody else, they would have called in some mental health people or they would have tried to talk this woman down instead of just shooting her. So what I'm saying is that people of color experience shootings at a much higher rate than anyone else, and we do have a cause to be angry about it. We do have reason to be angry about it. And this violence is what we predicted when we went to the governor's office and Brady Henderson of the ACLU told the governor's representative that at some point the people are going to get fed up and police officers are not going to be safe in these communities because they are trusting the neighbors. They're trusting the people down the street. 
to have their backs, when they get called out to a community, when they stop a car, when they stop somebody in the street, they're expecting community members and other people that are around them to have their backs. But guess what? Now the tables have turned, and what we predicted is coming to fruition. Three more officers were shot in Baton Rouge today. Of course, everybody heard last week about the five that were shot in Dallas. Tables are turning. The the public is getting very irate at the the, the continued shootings by police, and then there's nothing done to the police officers after they're shot, after they shoot someone. In the case of Mojave's Good Blanket, the Custer County police officers who shot that young man and killed him, which, you know, after they said he had a knife, and there were, I believe, 13 shots, two to the back of the head, they got medals of honor for their part in killing a young Native man who was mentally unbalanced at the time. People are fed up. We're, we are starting to see the, the tables turn in this country against the police and their institutionalized racism. My friend David Hill had mentioned to me and on the air last night on the AIM Central Texas radio station that one of the things that people need to do instead of of just publicizing the name of the victim that shot, how about publicizing the name of the police officers and the police chief and then starting writing a letter or an email campaign not to the district attorney, but to the governor or the or the mayor. Because, as I said, district attorneys are often friends with the police, friends with the police officers, friends with the chief of the police. Because you know they're they're all the time working together towards uh, putting people away in prison or convicting them and, and working on criminal cases together. So they have a relationship. When a police officer kills someone in the line of duty. They're often put on administrative leave and an investigation done by, guess who? The police, the same police department that trained this person to shoot a brown, black, or person of color. And um, so what we propose is to have a commission or a board, an independent someone, uh, even the OSBI doesn't, in, doesn't, qualify as independent. We need citizens to lead an investigation, um, have community members, regular citizens, and someone from law enforcement with an investigative background on a five to seven member board that will review the police shootings and then whatever they recommend whether there be charges filed or not filed against the police officer then they followed the recommendation. This should be done in all questionable police shootings, and it, it shouldn't matter who who or where. That the independent study, I think, would be just a wonderful idea. So, I hope that you know this violence against police officers will end because you know not all police officers are bad. I truly don't believe that they're malicious or doing things on purpose. But, you know, you don't feel safe when you see a police officer behind you. I know myself, and I am legal. I have a driver's license. I don't carry any drugs in my car. I 
you know, um, have insurance. But if I see a police officer behind me, I automatically draw up and get nervous. It's just human nature. That's what we all do. We're not, we don't feel safe anymore. The police officers don't make us feel safe. They make us feel scared. Something's got to change. And then on the other hand, you know, better training of our police officers to handle those with mental health issues, to handle those who are threatening themselves, harm to themselves, or holding a knife. A knife against the gun in any other situation would not be considered self-core force. But when a police officer can shoot someone who, who they say have a knife, uh, then that's perfectly all right. So we need to, to change the way that things are looked at in the police world. Um, the police aren't our enemies, and they need to start acting like it. We've got to get back in the business of protect and serve. The police need to get back into the business of protect and serve and not killing our Native people and our brown and black people. And, you know, uh, the people that are, are shooting the the police, police officers are just fed up, and I can understand that. You know, um, I truly do. So I just pray that there's that there's some resolution pretty soon to this because, you know, overall, uh, the genocide against our Native people is continuing with these police shootings. This genocide against African people are is still continuing with these shootings by police and then the police officers just getting away with it. So we've got to do something and I and I hope that you'll join me in praying for all of those who who have who have undergone this this loss and uh, that we will all have some patience in this and uh help each other through it. Um the last thing I want to talk about is uh the Peace and Dignity Journeys is getting ready to come through Oklahoma in a couple of weeks. And, and if you aren't aware of the Peace and Dignity Journeys, um, they came through Oklahoma a couple of years ago. Uh, it, this is a uh, group of people who are committed. I mean, we're talking about really committed. They um, they start out every four years uh, from from a, a, a group starts out from Alaska and another group starts out from the southern point of Argentina and it's to reunite the eagle and the condor and they uh, run uh, from community to, to community and joining in with the indigenous communities in each place to share their stories and songs and dances and take part in ceremonies. And they also, um, you know, make a lot of prayers while they're in that community. Four years ago in 2012, when the Peace and Dignity Journeys came through Oklahoma, the very first uh, inter, in, 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 when they entered into Oklahoma in White Eagle, um, the runner was stopped outside. Uh, he was running out on a dirt road outside of White Eagle, um, carrying an eagle staff that had um, two horns, uh, like a deer antler horn. And the police uh, made him lay his eagle staff on the ground and made him lay down on the ground because he looked suspicious. And uh, they held guns on the on the gentleman until they ran a check on him and the other runners uh, finally caught up with him. And uh, during the course of the of the four days, uh, the um, four days during the course of the time the runners were in Oklahoma, they came from uh, White Eagle to Pahuska to Tulsa, down to Okima, 
to Swapato, over to Oklahoma City, to Norman, down to, I believe, somewhere in Choctaw Nation territory like Durant, and then on out to Texas. Um, they were stopped five times by police for looking suspicious, for looking suspicious in running clothes, carrying a staff. We would like to have Oklahoma show them a little more hospitality this time when they come through. They'll be coming into Oklahoma on July 29th from Wichita, coming in straight down I-35, and we need a host. Uh, there's about 15 runners at this point that uh, they have um, a van and a, and, a, and a car that they're all traveling in. They need uh, food and shelter, and they'd like to have, you know, some community interaction. People come out and join in with the run. If you have runner groups or community groups that like to run, they they really enjoy having people come out and run with them. They need a, a large enough place for them to have ceremony. They'd like to have a fire where they can um, have the ceremony if that's possible in your in your community. So on um, July 29th, they'll be coming into uh, Tonkawa or the Tonkawa area. We don't have a host at this point for that area. On the 30th, they want to go over to Ponca City and visit with the Ponca Nation. And I think I forgot to mention that this year's prayer is for seeds. Every four years, they choose a, a topic. Uh, in 2012, it was water. And, and so this year, it is for seeds that they're making this commitment to run six months um, to to honor seeds and what that uh, means to our Native community. And so um, on the 29th of July, we need someone to, to host about 15 runners, which would mean food and shelter and helping them uh, to get donations of, of uh, items to help them on their journey, which might be fuel, gas, fruit, vegetables, um, Nuts, they like a lot of nuts. They don't like bottled water because the, the plastic is not biodegradable. Um, then on the 30th, they'd like to be in Ponca City because they want to meet with the Ponca Nation uh, officials uh, because the, the the great work they've done with the seeds and uh, the corn uh, with the Ponca Nation. July 31st, they'll be in Oklahoma City at the Chai Gallery the matriarch group in Oklahoma is going to host um, the Peace and Dignity Journeys. Uh, matriarch is a Native American uh, women-led group that empowers Native women through education, community building, and direct services. And so they um, have agreed to host the runners at the Chai Gallery, which is at 2300 Northwest 17th Street. They'd really like to have people come out and uh, spark the dialogue on the peace and dignity journeys for indigenous peoples and talk about the Mother Earth, Father Sky, to the communities and themselves and join in the prayers. Join in the prayers for seeds because we really, really um, need to protect what seeds we have. The the uh, Monsanto folks are trying to get a monopoly on seeds, and it's really hard to find a lot of seeds for some things anymore that you can that you can keep growing things over and over. So if you uh, would like to help with that, uh, give me um, send me an email or, or something on Facebook. Sarah Adams Cornell is kind of taking the lead on that for Matriarch, and they'll be um, 
in Oklahoma City for July uh, 31st and leaving out on August 2nd. They'll hit Chickasha that afternoon on um, August 2nd, and I need a host. We need a host for there, and and then at the Comanche Nation on um, August 3rd in Lawton, we hope to um, finalize that pretty soon. So that's the the road for the Peace and Dignity Journeys, and we hope that uh, all of you will uh, engage with these wonderful runners who've made such a, a, a large commitment for prayers for our seeds in 2016. Well, the 30 minutes sure went by very fast, folks, and I've missed speaking with you, and I'm glad that you joined me tonight. And as always, this, this show will be on archive, and please spread it around. Um, give me a call back anytime you'd like to call in and talk about a subject. The guest call-in number is 713-955-0619. And give me a, a send-in comments to redtownradio at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here, and have a blessed week. Madeau.